0: to the Confidently Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Ward. In this episode, I'm talking to Tor Burns, who's an incredible DJ, music promoter, and creative producer of festivals. She has so much to share. If you are looking to develop your creative business, listen to her story. Enjoy the episode. So I'm here with Tor Burns, who is an incredible music promoter, DJ, woman of many creative talents. Tor, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me, Jason. It's lovely to be
0: here or across the screen from you. Lovely to Thank see you. Well, and the funny thing is, we, I could probably see your back garden from my house.
1: Absolutely. Can
0: you see me waving now?
1: Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> In <pitch> like that.
0: <laughs> so, Todd, it's lovely to speak to you. And you and I work together uh, briefly, and hopefully, we'll continue to work together. You are very successful at what you do, which is Generally promoting music, running nights, DJing. Tell us a little bit about how all that started and where it's going. Um, one of the funny things is about
1: my career is that I completely changed it when I hit thirty. So before that, I co- I managed restaurants and I was a restaurant and bar kind of hospitality, worked in that kind of world. And as part time kind of on the side as a hobby, I was DJing at house parties and then started doing clubs and nightclubs. And in between that, my management skills immediately transferred over to managing nights and organizing nights because... Even though I like a party, I like to organise a party and make sure things are on time and people are doing the right things. And it just kind of spiralled from there. So when I got to my 30th birthday, I kind of handed it in the hospitality world and changed it to music. So it's only been not even 10 years yet um, of working full time and self-employed in the music industry and kind of going from there, spiralled to my own company. And then from there, I've, you know, done Every year, going to festivals and just took on more and more roles and learnt more and more, and yeah, involved myself with in the local community and making sure I'm at local local live gigs, but also making sure I go across the country to gigs, um, and yeah, it's just a lot of music, a lot of festivals for a long time because I love it,
0: <laughs> and that's key, I think. And so, would you say that you are primarily a promoter or a host or a creator of events? Where where did you where do you sit on that? So, I started as
1: a promoter and a DJ, and over time I've progressed that, and now I put myself more as a producer's role because I do a lot of creation for festivals, um, and not just in music anymore, in arts as well, and across you know a, a range of different platforms. And so it's it's a producer promoter role. If I'm perfectly honest, I don't enjoy promoting. Um, the actual side of it with it comes to social media and things like that um be- because I've done it for quite a long time and I just want people to believe me that the bands are good right um, but obviously promoting is comes part and package you know the same as marketing they're the bits i like least because i've done them so much and i prefer doing the curation and the delivery and the organization of festivals and and nights and things like that and and organizing what goes on in venues as well so i prefer that side of it um, rather than the promoting side of it but it all goes hand in hand so you've got to kind of do it all together
0: right and you've kind of had a journey to being creative um but now you are creating events, you're creating, you know, things that people want to purchase and experience. So what inspires your creative ideas?
1: Um, mainly travel, travel and experience myself. So, you know, I started going to festivals in the mid or early 2000s and festivals for me, this escaping, escapism um, and not being involved in real life and the freedom of being yourself is just so important to me. And I I kind of joke, it seems to be a very big thing now. People like an Instagram shot of something or they like to make memories. Um, And kind of where my kind of stuff comes from, from the mid-noughties, is you kind of went out to get lost in your memories. So before smartphones existed, before things like that, you'd head out into these, raves almost and they'd be full of bands and fancy dress and theatre pieces and live art and all this stuff and and nobody has any recordings of it but I'd go there to lose myself um, for a day or a weekend or a week and it was to not have the responsibilities of everyday life to feel free and to be in connection with The music and the art, and the act of dancing, or you know, being to lots of festivals, the act of stripping off or being involved with something that wasn't your responsibility. So, I think it stems from that. That creativity for me is wanting to always continue that feeling and seeing the look on other people's faces when they can just have that spark moment where they put down their phones, which everyone has now, and really enjoy themselves and let themselves go into a moment. I think that's where my creativity flows from from people just people being happy and enjoying themselves like that's that's where it all stems from you know and that's stems from hospitality i wanted to make people happy and it, it it just
0: kind of goes along the line from that that's a really interesting analogy actually because um yeah hospitality sometimes people associate that with with serving um but i really like the way that you're saying you you know that's making people happy but also it's Interesting to me, your journey is kind of out of almost rave culture, it, it appears to me.
1: It's not rave. I wouldn't call it rave. OK. Um, but yeah, it's raves, are different connotations to different generations, I think. And um, for me, kind of early 2000s, it wasn't raves. It was nightclubs I was going to or maybe it's what people now call free parties. I've, I'm using bunny uh, finger here to say that okay. free parties isn't a phrase that I like to use because essentially they are raves but I would just call them a party. Okay. Um so yeah, a field or or something like that with loads of people meeting. But yeah, it is that that freedom of expression and creativity and the DIY sense of it all. Um right. I think it's making a massive resurgence right now, especially within the queer culture, of that DIY kind of real. You know, back to basics, making stuff from scratch, and and going out there and enjoying yourself, um, and not having that Instagram-worthy kind of shiny image to it. I think it's getting a bit rawer again. But yeah, the rave culture slash big parties. There's a big group called Fish Eats Bicycle that were in Bournemouth in the mid 2000s. And they used to do big parties at what was then the Opera House and now the O2. And they used to do really good parties. I met a lot of my very close friends um, and still friends with them all now. And I met them all there. And, you know, they were dressed as cows and silly things like that. And yeah, a lot of those, it was in the time when everyone was at Arts University for me and my friends as well. So it was very much that kind of Arts University people going out and making a party with the freedom to do it without right. having the pressure of having to sell so many tickets, maybe.
0: Right. No, it's, it's it's interesting. I do remember, like, first time around the rave culture and going up into fields and stuff like that And it was very diy as well i mean it was yeah. literally nothing organized and i i think there's something in that and there's something in what you said about freedom as well i think that's really important for people to have a sense of freedom um and it feels to me that your creativity is also coming out of that that desire of free uh, to be free but also the knowledge of what being free is
1: 100 percent. it's it's Freedom and fun, you know, everything I've always done, I always put the words fun in it, just because I think people get so serious about stuff. They're so worried about what's happening. They forget to have fun about watching live music. Fun that they're in a mosh pit and the beer goes everywhere. That's fun. It's silly. Um, you know, obviously everyone might not appreciate that, but sometimes people need to just enjoy the moments a bit more.
0: Right. I agree. I've been in many mosh pits. And yeah, you know, afterwards when you go home and you smell a bit of like Carlsberg, it may not seem as much fun, but at the time it's great. Um, what? Why do you think that uh, arts and culture or creativity is important to everyone? When you say
1: important for everyone, I think one of the biggest things is, is not getting stuck in your own bubble or seeing one point of view. Um, <clears throat> so We can go back to, you know, for everyone, because everyone is equal and deserves to have culture and art. They deserve to do it. But if you don't have these things, then you put on like one narrow path and you look at the same point of view all the time. So if you're not given these opportunities to experience different people's traditions, different people's ideas, different you know cultures whether that be festivals that they attend or they celebrate or whether that's religion if you don't have access to any of those other things you're only going to have one point of view and that it just makes everything very straight and narrow and black and white almost rather than colorful and and learning to go off into these different tangents about what you can do with things and how you can do them it's again that open-mindedness and, you know, open-mindedness and freedom to explore these different ideas. And, you know, you just wouldn't do the same thing every day.
0: You're listening to the Confidently Creative Podcast with me, Jason Ward, in conversation with Tor Burns, incredible DJ, creative producer, and music promoter. Remember, subscription to the podcast is completely free. So go ahead, listen to it, like it, share it, let me know what you think now let's listen in and see what else we can learn from Tor's incredible experience. <laughs> now, I, I, I know it's funny you talk about like colors because I think that's really important. I, but I also think that with creativity, what you learn is that there are gray areas. Uh-huh. And you, you move away from that binary kind of black and white way of thinking. And if you open yourself to arts and culture, then you also open yourself to things that maybe you don't know or that are not quite so sure and are not black and
1: white. 100%. And it's always exciting to see those things. And there's so many things that people, just because they're not exposed to, and I I found this out a lot recently working in the outdoor arts sector, and I've really learned the difference between people and their experiences with the theatre world, um, which is something I hadn't really realised before working in outdoor arts, and a fact that a lot of families locally – will only experience the theatre, be it at the pantomime, probably once a year. Um, and they won't experience going to any other theatre piece or dance piece or anything like that, which kind of blows my mind. But then when I think back to a child, I don't think I did either. You know, you did the nativity at Christmas. And it wasn't until I got into secondary school when I went to lots of musicals and was performing in musicals that I kind of opened my eyes to, to that. But was that my choice, you know, and... Especially your younger children, they don't get these things, opportunities now. So working outdoor arts, the fact that you get to put them in places where everyone can see them and are accessible to everyone, makes me really excited and just excited that a child can come and see something that they've never seen. You know, they may have been to the circus once or pantomime, but otherwise they get to see all this, like, silly stuff that's just so silly. People falling around and doing acrobats is just so joyful to watch and kids' reactions to them is, is so much fun exciting to see
0: people grow into that little piece of inspiration could grow into so many other things. I agree. And I think it's really key that people have uh, exposure and access to, to arts and culture. I think it really is. And, and yeah, we're, we're very lucky. We're in, in the UK uh, where there is still some provision, uh, mm-hmm. maybe not as much as there was, but there is still some. But I think we need to fight to make sure that we, we keep it and grow it. Um, I'm talking about being creative, um what would you say or what advice would you give to a business to help them become more creative
1: I think we kind of talked about this a little bit separately Jason before but um I find it quite difficult because I wouldn't class myself still as a creative or it's only really recently until I'd maybe classify myself as a creative um even though I've always kind of been in the arts been the community of the arts and surrounded my, myself with it it's still not something I'm comfortable in. I'm more of an organiser of creatives
0: is where I'd put myself. Um, Tor, I'm probably going to disagree with you on that, but I'll tell you why in a second.
1: I'm happy for people to disagree and and explain more. I mean, for years I called myself a selector instead of a DJ. For years, um, and it wasn't until my best friend kept saying to me, you're a DJ, you're a DJ, you read the room. You're not just selecting tracks, you read the room and you're mixing them. Why do you call yourself a selector? And it's because you you play yourself in a more comfortable role rather than being something you don't know whether you are or, or having to fight for that next step. So that's, so that's something straight away, you know, don't say yourself short. <laughs> don't sell yourself short and just go for it. Um, but yeah, I think that one of the things, and again, I'm always going to go back to freedom, but it's just trust your instincts and have the freedom to play around with things. I think that's the easiest, easiest way to be creative. Um, Yeah, I think that's the best thing to do there. Okay. Okay. I I wouldn't know how to, how a business, it's just trusting everything I've done is always trusting my own gut. So I can't give any more advice than that. But trusting my own gut, looking at my peers and making sure that I'm not just head down doing what I think is best and looking, same as DJing look up, look at your room, read the room, try and see what other people are doing. And nick little bits of people's stuff. That's absolutely fine. Just don't outright nick it. Just take the little bits you like and make your own version and, and adapt, overcome.
0: We call that inspiration, you see. Yeah, let's, let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> what What interests me, so um, total transparency, I met you for the first time uh, in October, September last year. So we're now mm-hmm. in January 2023. So I met you in September 2022. Yeah. Um, I had been hired work on the Arts by the Sea Festival which was happening that week and you were you'd already been developing it and I only ever saw you as a creative Mm. I didn't I'd never in my mind that was what you were because you were creating and you were also curating so now hopefully you do see yourself in that mold but what interests me because I think this is you hit on something else as well how you view yourself. What were your steps to like starting to view yourself as a creative?
1: What were my steps? Um, It wasn't until some of the collaborations that happened over Arts by the Sea, specifically the Hush Club, Gold Gig Theatre and Sarah and DJ Sarah Blow, it was my idea to put all three of them together. They all had different projects that all kind of linked. And I was like, well, we can put all three of you together and that'll work. And then I realized that's essentially producing a piece. right? Um, and I was like, oh, I am creating. And, you know, we did lots of big work, huge work on some of the pieces that um, Catherine, who I work with, led. But I learned how to, to you cool. know, working with all that. And it realized that that is a creative producer's role. And essentially I am creating and producing not just curating so it is even little things about running a festival or organizing a festival things like the way that I tried to time it the way we rooted things the way that did things was based on creative freedom and creative levels including things like putting the bikes through at certain times things like that were very thought of and and you know I wanted certain things at different parts of the day because that's how people feel at the different times of the day so it is a creative process it's not just uh, black and white but th- maybe a lot of mine goes with logic there rather than the creative freedom of the heart a lot of it is based on logic but they do intermingle.
0: logic comes into creativity as well yeah i mean you you have to if you're writing music it has to logically take you from one place to another yeah yeah and you know, when you're putting a DJ set together, which I would argue is creative, you know, there you 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 have to certain songs have to be played in certain orders. It did, It's
1: true. Yeah. I mean, DJing is is one of those different things as well. I DJ a little bit differently to some people. I play completely on a room. I never come in with a set pre-planned. I play totally off what people's energies and vibes are like and i see what's going on and what happens obviously there is creativity in the fact that i have to blend them and make sure the beats work right but sometimes i do really silly stuff like just spin back something and play something that's completely different because i enjoy knocking people into a juxtaposition and shaking them up as well i enjoy that i like taking people out of a flow (laughs) which is like what most of the djs try to do is put people in a transcendental flow and you know I try to knock them back out of it. Maybe he's upset them, let them go to the bar for a drink and then come back and they've forgotten they're upset and actually have a better time because they've been brought away and brought back in and
0: they don't realise that I'm actually playing them a little bit. So what you're doing, <laughs> although it sounds funny, but what you're doing, and this might sound a bit pretentious, what you're doing is you're using a DJ set almost to tell a story
1: yeah 100 percent. it's it's a bit of telling story it's a bit of, of making flow for the dance floor you don't want the same people so the dance floor I find it gets boring you want a peak ebbs and troughs peaks and flows you want people to move around you want people to you know I don't just think it's a DJ set I think it's an experience of the nightclub so that's kind of coming from the nighttime economy side of it but I, I want people to go away and use the photo booth and have fun and then come back because a particular song's on that they really love rather than just standing there for the sake of thinking they've got to stand there. And so it just brings that peaks and troughs to the nights, I think.
0: Right. So when you're you're putting a set together, obviously we've established that is creative and there's obviously music you love.
1: Mm. Do you
0: have like a, a DJ hero or a creative hero? When it comes to
1: DJing, we didn't talk about this, but... DJ and DJ Yoda is probably the most amazing DJ ever in the world. Um, and I've actually had a DJ lesson with him, which was amazing. Wow. Was, um, BBC Introducing did some DJ sets in London a few years ago. Um, and we were doing some workshops with Jimmy's Ice Coffee, which was brilliant. And DJ Yoda was also doing some workshops. And so I got to have a workshop with him, which was oh. wonderful. I love his cut and paste style. Um I love the so fact. E- explain to everybody that may not be a DJ what that means. So DJ Yoda literally takes other tracks, cuts samples out of them, and then adds them onto his own track with a beat underneath. So there's a really strange flow to it, but it will sample lots of different songs and normally really, really famous. At the minute he's specifically going around with a tour that does he's calling it like 80's wedding party, I think. So it's basically music that you'd expect at an 80s-style wedding. It's loads of songs that I absolutely love, but they're in a real kind of scratching hip-hop with breakbeats underneath. Um, I love breakbeats. They're the one type of thing I've learned, I've purposely learned not to DJ or touch so that I can always go enjoy them when I'm out and not try and pick up people's faults, (laughs) (laughs) which is really annoying, but it just makes my night more enjoyable on that side of it.
0: Right. And outside of DJing, who's your creative hero?
1: Oh, Deborah Harry. Okay. Debbie Harry from Blondie. A hundred percent. She is my she's been my hero since forever. But um, as as a person, as a creative, you know, she came onto the scene in the mid 70s and she just stumped her still at her heels all over it in such a male dominated world and you know New York City with people like Iggy Pop all over it and the Ramones and this kind of New York punk everywhere and she just came in and stamped it all stamped all over it with you know clothes from thrift shops and stuff she'd made herself and she was friends with Andy Warhol and her and Chris Stein, who was her partner at the time, obviously they were photographers, they were creatives, they lived in a massive warehouse and took all these photos. There's a brilliant picture that I love of her. She is wearing Marilyn Monroe's dress and they've actually set fire to their apartment and there's photographs of it. And it's just brilliant. Um, I've got so many books and so many things about Doberr Harry and Chris Stein. And it's just the fact that she did it in such a male dominated culture and then she inspired other people like Joan Jett, and she was arguing against other people like Patty Smith, who was trying to be more, you know, more gender neutral and, and express, you know, apply a dominance that way. Whereas she did it with a full femininity. And I just, it's, it's so sexy and so inspiring. But she also doesn't care who she is. You know, she still stands there and does it and then went partying all through those years as well with the drag culture. Spends with Lady Bunny and went to all the parties of Andy Warhol and she was one of Andy Warhol's muses. And yeah, just lots of raving, lots of drag. And she right. still supports all those things, even in the 70s. It's just absolute icon. I love Debbie Harry. She's brilliant.
0: Oh, I, I'm with you. I was a big... Debbie Harry fan in my teen years. I actually had a, a life-size Debbie Harry poster with the black Andy Warhol's Bad t-shirt on, on my on my wall. And I think the thing with, with Debbie Harry is, yes, on one level, she was an absolute sex symbol, no doubt about it, and an immensely beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, she was immensely creative and groundbreaking. And she never really compromised on any of those things. She didn't stop being kind of attractive, she didn't stop being groundbreaking, she didn't, she just trod her path, and I would say I think she's a bit underestimated
1: You think she's underestimated? I do, I do I think people don't realise the difference between Debbie Harry and Blondie sometimes they don't realise about everything else that she's got, they don't realise that her and Christine did a lot of things together and that together they were iconic and that their relationship obviously isn't the same way now But they still support each other and are best mates and do all this stuff together. There's little things about Debbie Harry that people often forget about. Like Blondie was the first band to put a rap record in the charts. Yep. You know, and people don't realise that. And if it wasn't, it sometimes comes across as a little bit white privilege to say that, if I'm honest. And but she was there, going to the other sides of of Brooklyn to 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 listen to the music. You know.
0: what you're talking about is authenticity authenticity
1: and changeability as well and not being like well I do this you know like when she came back in the mid 90s or late 90s and did Maria like it knew everyone's minds do you know what I mean and it's just it's so exciting I I just think she's incredible and the fact that it spans so many generations you know and she started as a a bunny girl essentially so
0: so there's hope for all of us yet
1: Yeah, well Parallel Lines wasn't released
0: until she was 13. Don't talk about we don't talk about age on this podcast. <laughs> so Debbie Harry, she developed a lot. She went from being uh, like you said, a bunny girl. She was then really massive on the punk scene. And as the culture in New York, where she was very much rooted in New York, changed, she developed her sort of creative work along with that. And I do remember her getting loads of grief when she did Heart of Glass and Rapture people said she'd gone disco or whatever, but you know. Why would really- why would you not go disco? Well exactly. Yeah. There were great records. That was that was the whole thing. So um so what do you what's your favourite Debbie Harry piece of work?
1: I did love it when she did her first album and obviously then she went with Kurt Geiger and You know Kurt Gerger, he's the guy behind Aliens. And obviously that piece of work on that is just amazing. And that's more the creativity rather than the music side of it. I mean, that's an amazing piece, you know, and it's so different to what people would have expected her to do. Um, If you're talking music-wise, like One Way or Another is my favourite Blondie song. Um, But otherwise, yeah, probably doing that. But then there's a lot of photos. There's so many photos that I love of her. Um, And she, you know, she made so many of her outfits. There's a yellow one that's really famous, and that's made from a pillowcase, you know, and she made it all herself, and it's it's so exciting. I met Deborah Harry.
0: You met her? Hold on, this
1: is world exclusive. (laughs) It's not world exclusive, (laughs) everyone knows. I am from my... Thirtieth birthday, I bought tickets to New York to go and see Blondie. Wow! And I was like, I was like, I want to see my favorite band in New York. So went, um paid an extra like fifty dollars to go in the VIP area. When I got up there, there was loads of people from the BBC that were from America. bbc were they were like, Oh my god, you're from England! You know all the words, I'm like yeah, yeah. Had loads of tequila with them, was having a really good time. And then this guy came over and he was like, can you follow me? I was like, mm, pr- probably not. <laughs> like, what? And he was like, I really think you should. And he introduced himself. He was like, oh, I'm the head of the Blondie fan club and we'd really love to take you backstage to meet Debra Harry. Wow. Like, so, yeah, I got to meet the whole band and um, Bob Gruen, the photographer,
0: he yeah. was there,
1: I met him um, and Joan Jett was there. And, yeah, and Christine and Debra Harry, obviously, you know, that's brilliant that's
0: fantastic that's the highlight there you go (laughs) go. that's amazing now back to you and your creativity yeah what piece of creative work are you most proud of having done
1: um i've wrote here arts by the sea 2023 but i've not actually done that yet so probably arts by the sea 2022
0: (laughs) i I did think that
1: (laughs) um Honestly, uh, Arts by the Sea has been so huge to me in the past couple of years. Um, and maybe as mm-hmm. the Christchurch tradition I was the creative director for. So I had no one above me and no one to kind of lean on. So that was my first time ever doing something like that, you know, to that capacity and really just having myself. I obviously had guidance from people and and expertise to help me, but that was the first time I did something completely being like my opinions. So I was really proud of the Christchurch edition. Um, I've got a lot to learn still, but it was amazing to see. And the fact that it's it's smaller and you can feel that people want it more in Christchurch, maybe. Whereas Arts by the Sea one is almost, because it's quite big, it's... People are more detached to it, so a lot of people I know, friends, family, lots of people, they can't understand that I work on that, right. but they can understand the Christchurch one. That makes sense to them. Right. Um, so the fact that it's got relevance to people and they can understand it makes me quite proud of it. So that I can share it with people a little easier. Um, but both of them, it's they're just so big and de- it's so big in what I've done and what I've learned that, you know, I'm
0: going to be forever grateful right. for both of them. And it's funny, we should explain, Arts by the Sea is a, an arts festival which goes on in Bournemouth, which is a town on the south coast of England. Mm-hmm. And last year, as well as being a massive festival, which had 150,000 people came over two days, there yeah. was a, a satellite version in, a, in a, a town nearby in the same borough, Christchurch, which was a one-day festival. Um, and I think there's something about that being close the audience because the, the scale was yeah. was smaller.
1: A lot smaller,
0: yeah. And I think that's why people connect sometimes.
1: I think it's, it's the size of it. Arts by the Sea is such an amazing festival and it's so good because it's free and it is accessible. Um, but, you know, there, there is still always going to be barriers in the way of any festival that put people off and something like arts by the sea in bournemouth will tend to put locals off because they get scared it's going to be too busy um and after doing lots of research recently we realise that it's it's no busier than a normal weekend it's just displacement of people or they they're all enjoying themselves at this minute um at the festival but it, people can be daunted by it and i'd love to Break those barriers down and continue the work doing that and getting more and more people engaged. And that is why the festival is over, you know, nearly three days, so that there's lots of different opportunities and different times when people might find it more comfortable for themselves to come down.
0: No, I, I think the festival's great in both locations, they're just different audiences. Um, you know, it's like some people prefer arena shows, some people yeah. prefer smaller. I mean, for me, last year I saw lots of theatre, big theatre, small theatres. And one of the most amazing pieces for me was in the gardens of the Red House Museum in Christchurch, and there was uh, four people outdoor cast for Wuthering Heights and <laughs> were literally, you know, less than a metre away from these performers, and it was just amazing. But Yeah. So Arts by the Sea, uh, we've done that. Um, what are you working on now, Tor? Um, what am I working on right
1: now? Well, you're talking to me at that, that time of year for many freelancers in the festival world and, uh, and the live music world. I have always got We Broke Free on. So We Broke Free is my promotions company specifically based in live music. Uh, and coming up next week, we've got independent venue week. So that's another project I'm, I'm, involved in i'm actually the south central region rep so i look after all of the small they're not small some of them are big all of the independent venues within the region um and get them to be part of the celebration week we ask them to put on live shows if they can um to celebrate live music in, in venues essentially and so i'll be going across different venues across the south central to portsmouth and southampton um i think and a few in Bournemouth, I don't think I can get anywhere else, unfortunately, but checking on them and making sure that they're brilliant to so get to see loads of live music within within venues. It's lovely. Um, And then it's We were Freeze, 10th birthday this year as well. So Congratulations. I'll be, thank you. Is it a birthday? Is it an anniversary? I'm not sure what we call it. It's a time to people to eat cake and me to make some different t-shirts <laughs> 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 probably the best way to put it um but i hope to put on a gig for that as well i have got half a dozen live shows coming up they're all at six million postcards which are a whole different array of bands celebrating live music apart from the one independent venue week as well they're all free so they're right. free entry um over 18s only i'm afraid, but free entry to come down and then as always i'm ticking away doing little bits of curating so i've curated a stage for teddy rocks festival this year so we broke free of doing teddy rocks festival and we've got a whole day takeover of that so that's really good that's at the end of april um and then i'll be working on the summer ball as well the student union summer ball with Bournemouth university again i've got my own stage there curating and then in between that lots of dj sets lots of bits like that and then everything else i can't unfortunately tell you about yet because there's no contract signed or
0: anything so i don't want to uh get in trouble or That's sell okay. myself. yeah um what is, sorry what was uh to people that might not know what is 60 million postcards
1: 60 million postcards is a venue in the center of Bournemouth. it's a live music bar and it's a late night pub slash club as well so it is open to 2 a.m at the weekends but over the year, especially in the winter and spring months, we try and put live music on on Thursday evenings. It's not every Thursday evening, um, and that's run by We Work Free, which is myself. But we also have DJs on Fridays, Saturday nights, and it serves food. And it's also quite an arts bar, so we do bits and bobs there with all sorts of people. Um, it's, a, it's a really good, hope of a nice place, and. It's got that arty feel to it. Um, there's a festival coming up over Easter weekend, it is actually, which is called Inner Love Festival, which I'm helping out on. Um, but that sounds really cool. That's a group of promoters, uh, nightclub promoters, going to lots of venues within Bournemouth, and they're putting on a multi, multi-venue multi multi venue festival, yeah. So that's quite interesting. So it's really cheap as well. It's like £10 a ticket. So I think it's really worth checking out. And they're looking at doing masterclasses and some talks and some art pieces during the day as well. So as they said, they wanted to put more culture in in the town, which, yeah, I was
0: fully behind it, but had to remind them of other things that happened in the town that they had no idea about. <laughs> that was the way. So I think what we should do is um, all of the things that you've mentioned, mm-hmm. I will put the links to them in the show notes if people want to look them up and find out more about it if they're from bournemouth or the area come over if you've never Mm -hmm. been to bournemouth maybe a good reason for you to come and check it out um also where can people find you tour your home address obviously
1: (laughs) me personally there's lots of different ways you can follow me on instagram is probably the best bet and what i use most often for my social media which is tour de force so tour de force is actually my dj name so it's my stage name um and we have got a website for we broke free which is www.webrokefree.co.uk that features everything on there as well about all the bits we do um and that is yeah that's probably the best ways to follow me i'm in i'm on linkedin i've been messing around on that the past couple of days as well um updating that because i forgot to do it There's so many social media platforms isn't there that-
0: i know I know. You, know. you know what's amazing, Tor? For somebody that sort of started off uh, saying that you're not a creative, you, you, you've spoken for the last half hour or so about all the creative projects and all the creativity that you make happen. So I think I think you can safely now say that you are a creative.
1: Thanks. Not just by
0: looking by my fashion sense and bows in my hair. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> well, that's really nice as well. But and I think you, you have a vision. And you have a passion for um, engaging people in culture and in arts and in creativity. Uh, And I think it's very powerful. Um, And I think you should shout about it. You should promote yourself as a creative.
1: Thank you. It's nice to hear that. It's, I just believe, I just believe in people having fun. I just want people to dance and and fill the world with colour and glitter and it really is my inspiration in life just for people to get off their chairs and have a little wiggle or you know however they are however their expression is but to express that and not not just look at the tv and not just listen to the newspapers that they feel they have to listen to or facebook just go out and explore the world and make your own decisions and do it with laughter and music
0: Thank you for listening to Confidently Creative. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget, subscription is free and you can follow me on Instagram at Jason Ward Creative. Please feel free to leave me a review and share the show. I look forward to catching up with you soon on Confidently Creative.